Oh, you're cool. Thanks. <laughs> to all in family Bible who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for each of you because your faith has been reported all over Highland and indeed the whole world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray a prayer of thanks today, right now, that at last, my, by God's will, the way has been opened for me to come to you. I've longed to see you so that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is to say that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known and from, no, from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we might perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. I, always, uh, I thought it would be good to start with Scripture, so I got one thing right. <laughs> so there you go. That's it. Um, I wanted to uh, introduce myself a little bit to you. My name is Bill Dempsey, and um, I've been on this journey with God for uh, quite some time now. And, uh, but I want to tell you about my background a little bit, because it's, kind of, it's kind of weird. I've I got to be honest with you. Um, it's weird that I would even be here today. I think it's hard sometimes as a, as a newborn person to explain to folks how different you are, you know? Because people see you and they go, oh, you're that Christian guy, right? But our stories are long. And, and, and I, the more I walk with God, the more God says, look, look back there. You see what I was doing back there, Bill? So I want to tell you about my history a little bit. And um, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I was born and raised in the Roman Catholic Church. Went every Sunday. I was an altar boy, right? That was good times. Uh, and and uh, loved it, man, loved it. My favorite thing was laying in the, we can't do it in here, but you, we used to, I used to lay on my mom's lap and, and look at the, the ceiling. It was beautiful, you know, and uh, loved that. Well, then I went to church camp when I was 16, you know, and I met these crazy people called Baptists, <laughs> you know, and, and they were just like, blew me away with this whole idea that Jesus Christ cares about me personally, not that the Catholic Church wasn't saying it, I just wasn't hearing it, you know? And so I responded to that word, and I went down and I gave my life to Jesus. And then a few weeks after I got home, I forgot all about Jesus, you know? Uh, it's kind of scary because as a youth pastor, it frightens me, that story, because we all have that experience. Well, then when I was 17, I went back to camp, and, and again, they said, you can you rededicate. And I'm like, yes, I'll rededicate, you know? And that lasted three months until I totally walked away from God. And I say that not uh, to brag about it, because quite honestly, almost half my life I did not believe. But I say that because I want you to know that reading the scriptures saved my life. Saved my life. And so I come to you today as someone who has a great passion about this word, about this dusty old book, that far too many of us don't get out and read. Far too many of us don't read. Because I want you to know today 
that God has had you on an amazing, amazing journey. If you hear nothing else, God is taking you somewhere. You individually, you collectively, and he's trying to draw us somewhere. But we have to be following God. And so I wanted to read to you something from this story, this narrative that we're all part of, and I thought it'd be great to start in the beginning, okay? Uh, I have a little rant about Bible headers. If you have an NIV or a text that puts little headers in your Bible, those aren't in the text. And my kids know, right? I always say, don't read those. They're not in the text. But what's funny is they're great when you're trying to catch up on a story. And today we're going to look at the book of Genesis. But I want you to know that before this part we read, we have the creation narrative, we have the fall of man, we have the flood, and we have the Tower of Babel. In fact, the Tower of Babel is right on our heels right now as we come into this text. So I want to read this to you because it's amazing. You know, people always say to me, well, the Bible's not relevant. Man, if you read it, it's kind of frighteningly relevant, you know? Good. You all agree with me. (laughs) Silence equals consent. So if you don't say anything, I'm going to go, okay, they agree. Oh, I'm freaking out the system, I think. All right, here we go. Uh, We're going to turn to... I'll stop moving. Um, We're going to go to uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. This is what it says. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was a daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren because she had no children. I just want to stop right there. Uh, one of the things uh, I do, I'm a, I'm a scribbly, scratchy kind of a guy, you know, when I'm studying the Bible. And I got all confused just reading that part, all confused about the story of Terah. And so I sat down with my pen, and I went back through, and I just read that really carefully. And then I put together this amazing multimedia experience for you (laughs) that I want to share with you right now. So let's go ahead and pull that up if we could. We have to go. Oh, oh. there we go. All right. So here's Terah. Go ahead. We'll just walk through the story. And he has three kids, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran has a son named Lot. Okay, so we're good so far. Family tree, right? All right. Oh, look. Heron died. That, you guys are kind of cold, man. That's not funny. <laughs> Heron died. So then here, Sarah, hold on right here on the slide for a minute. Uh, Abram married Sarai, and Nahor married Milcah, right? So we're good so far. Go ahead. And, oh yeah, by the way, Milcah was the daughter of Heron, and Heron also had this person named Iscah. And then I started getting like heebie-jeebies, you know, because I am, I'm an uncle. I'm an only child, but I'm an uncle to one. I'm going, what? Hey, heart. Oh, yeah, and thank you. Sarai and Abram are now sad because they have no kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is important because, well, back up one, one slide a minute. I want to talk about that first, and I'll talk about this thing. But um, this bothered me 
a lot. And I've got to tell you, if you can read Scripture and not be bothered, I don't think you're really reading this, what it says there because there's so much in there that's just troubling. And one of the things for me is this whole Milka and Haran thing. You know, and I was kind of down on Milka, and, and, and not Milka, I should say, but on Nahor. I was like, what's up with this, right? And the story, if you know the next part of the story, it says that Terah takes Abram, Sarai, and Lot, this dude over here, and just takes off. And I'm like, yeah, Terah, he's holy, you know, because he's like, you ain't marrying my granddaughter, and what's wrong with you? We're leaving you behind. But then the trouble is that as I study the text, go ahead at the next one, there's a pretty good chance that Sarai was Iska, and she got to go, and then I go, well, Bill, you're looking at it through the modern eyes, you know, you go, oh, gosh, what are they thinking? Different society, different times. There's something about having someone to vouch for you in the society. Why they took him, I don't know, but let's just leave that alone. Iska's for sure a girl we know, and there is controversy about that whole Sarai Iska thing. I just wanted to mention it to you, because the first thing I want to say is that this story becomes a great story. This story becomes your story. And this is your family tree. Okay? And I want you to know that uh, this is kind of a mess. <laughs> Do you see that? Not just my art, but the, the whole thing. It's kind of uncomfortable. Go ahead and go to the next slide. The first thing I want to talk to you about today is the f this fact. I've got to get my notes straightened out here. I apologize. Oh, here it is. Um, who you were does not matter to God. Who you were before God started speaking to you does not matter to God. I have a great passion about this because I know so many people who, can't, who get uncomfortable on church types and they go, man, I can't, what, those people are all righteous and I'm, I'm, oh gosh, my parents are a mess. I was at a concert one time with, this, uh, with some youth and um, I, I was, there's this new girl who came and I didn't know her at all and so I said to her, I said, uh, hey, you got any brothers or sisters? She's like, Oh, yeah, I've got eight brothers and sisters. I'm like, wow, eight, that's a big family. And then she goes, yeah, and now the band starts playing. It's really loud, and she says to me, she's screaming in my ear, and she's going, so this is my half-brother, and this is my step-brother, and then I have, and she goes to the whole list, and then I go, you're an only child? She goes, well, no, I got half-brothers and sisters and step-brothers and sisters, and my mom's remarried twice, and, uh, you know, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, and I kid you not, I got out a piece of paper, and I said, write that down, because I can't understand what you're talking about. And she wrote it down and she drew it. And you know what it looked like? It looked like that diagram. People pointing everywhere. People, I'm going, oh my gosh. And I felt so bad for this kid. How can you have a place in the world if this is your roots? And then I read in Genesis and it says, these are the people God uses. These are the people that God uses. Where you were does not matter. Next thing I want to talk about before we move on is this whole idea of naming. Abram and Sarai, these names are pre uh, what, pre-Hebrew names, right? They haven't been, they haven't been, they haven't given a name, names by God yet. And I think that's important in this text. I actually wanted to go back to Abram, this story, this first story. And, I, you know, I talk about Abram and Sarai and that kind of issue that maybe, because later on in the text, Abram actually says, she's my sister, but not by the same mom. Okay, and that's in the text too, right? Genesis 20. But uh, I was like, what? You know? But here's what I want to say to you. They had bigger problems than just family ties. They had bigger problems than family ties. I want to read with you in Joshua 24. Joshua, right? This great man who says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right before that, he says this. Then I'm going to read in verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, name change, and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. You see, they weren't coming from a holy lineage by any means. As a matter of fact, the tradition says that Terah actually sold false gods to people for, for a living. Right? And Abram's raised in this environment. All these false gods his dad's following. So I want to say to you that, go ahead, the next slide, who you are doesn't matter to God. And I'm not going to say that God doesn't care about who you are because he does, but he's not going to let that keep you from using you in his kingdom if you will only respond to his word. You hear what I'm saying? It's not about who you were. It's not about who you are. It's about who God has intended you to be. And I hope you are brave enough to step up that challenge and say, let's just go. Let's just go and see what that means, God. I trust you. I'm a mess. My background's a mess. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to put full faith and confidence in you. Who you are doesn't matter to God. I, I will be um, mistaken if I didn't say something right here. This is what I want to say. We act like in the church, and I'm, if you're not from the church, man, I'm so glad you're here because I'm so sick of church people. <laughs> You know, I got love church people, but man, they're a pain, you know what I'm saying? And I love non-believers because I tell you what, God reveals truth to non-believers. Amen. And if you don't believe that, you're mistaken, my friend, because God knew you before you ever knew God. And God uh, believed in you before you ever believed in God. And God spoke to you before you ever heard God. And I want you to know that today, that God loved you first before you ever knew it. Let's not become conceited like we figured something out. Genesis, back to the text, sorry about that. Uh, Genesis 31, I gotta get back to my... The next part, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, of, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur, the Chaldeans, to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Okay, first of all, it's amazing, right? Terah is on this journey, okay? And we're going to find out why that's a big deal in a minute. But Terah takes some of his kids and, this, and his orphaned grandchild, and they go into this new land of Canaan. That's where they're heading. But they have a problem. I was reading about this. Uh, you can go ahead and go past the slide. I was reading about this, and um, you know how far it was? This is so funny. You know how far it was from Ur to Canaan? Because I always thought this was like a journey, you know. They're like dragging stuff, you know. Oh, we're going to get there someday. You know, it's so funny. All the journeys of the Bible aren't that far. It was four days walk. Four days walk. And they quit halfway there. Like, isn't that ridiculous? Like, I mean, we're out of shape. We're a modern society. We drive around. But I could walk four days if I knew it was going to be the kingdom of God, <laughs> you know. But no, they quit halfway there. Now, they had a lot of stuff going with them. They left Ur. They weren't going back. And so they were bringing all this stuff with them, but they quit halfway. I often wonder how often, brothers and sisters, we quit when we're on the very brink of the kingdom of God. God comes to make promises, and we go, let's go! And we get, no, that's good. Right here, no. God says, let's go, let's go, let's go. And we have to be willing to respond to that. 
I want to say about this that your own ability doesn't matter. And I actually changed this one a couple of times, but your own ability to do things doesn't matter. You might think it does because when God starts talking to you, you say things like ridiculous, like, I can't do that. I can't do that. But God says, just follow me. It's not about you. It's not about your ability. In fact, Paul says, in our weakness, God is most glorified. That's bizarre, you know? But it's not about your strength or your ability. It doesn't matter to God. He calls you. He asks you to respond. So here we go. Abraham was called. I'm going to read uh, Genesis, or, yeah, Genesis 12, verse 1. It says this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Okay? Now, do you see that? It says, Abraham, what's it say? The Lord had said, past tense. I always thought God was saying to Abram after he got to, got to uh, Tehran, he's like, all right, you've been here, or Haran, he's like, all right, you've been here for a while, let's go now. No, 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 no. God shows up again and says, Abram, what are you doing? You remember back there, I told you you're going over here, and you quit. I told you back there to leave your father's land, and you quit. And you settled with your father. Terah, quit halfway. I want to say to you that for Abram, his father's religion was not working. I'm not going to say anything about, because there's all this journey stuff, but here's the bottom line. Baptist, Catholic, whatever kind of Protestant flavor you are, whatever you know, you have to own your faith. Because mommy and daddy's faith is not going to get you to the kingdom of God. It's not going to get you there. And you've got to deal with that, man. That's tough. That's tough. But you have to be willing to respond in your own way and say, I'm leaving all this behind. I love you, mom and dad. I'm leaving it behind because I have to find my way to where God's calling me to be. I hope you can hear that today from your heavenly father. I want to say, like, this is anything that I don't do because this is the trouble. This is why I'm so upset about this all because I quit, man. I don't know why I quit. I'm a, I'm a pastor and a preacher and all this stuff, and I love Jesus, and I've been converted, and then I go halfway and I quit. And as churches, we go halfway and we quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. God has great blessings in store for you. So Abram was called in, uh, in already past tense, right? I want to say, hold fast to the times. Are we on that slide yet already? I don't know where we're at here. I'm totally lost. Uh, your own ability doesn't matter. No. Uh, listening to God matters. Listening to God matters. I want to say that you know what happens? Here's what happens. God reveals something to us, right? We had these experiences. I was 15 years old, and I was at that camp, man, and I knew Jesus. And I'm not making fun. I knew Jesus. But then I forgot, you know? You just gotta go, that wasn't really Jesus. You have friends telling you, man, that's crazy religion stuff you believe in. It. Yep, sure is, you know? And then you kind of start to chafe a little bit, and you, you, you forget. Start to make excuses for God. No, that wasn't God. That was about indigestion that day. No, that was God. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt that God is speaking to you. Back to the scripture. Abram, uh, in chapter, see those headers mess me up. Chapter 12, verse 2. This is what God says to Abram. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the people on all the earth will be blessed through you. I'm lost in my notes. I just want to say, I just want to say that right now, okay? Uh, 
Abram, this is why I said here, Abram must own his own faith. True faith, oh, we're, we're ahead, I'm ahead, that's where I'm at, okay. Uh, here's the promises. I want you to see two promises in two through three. God says, I'm going to take you into a new land. I'm going to take you to Canaan, right? He goes back and says, don't forget now, Abram, I said you're supposed to follow me into this new land. And he says, and all the nations will be blessed by you. You know what that means? I'm so glad you guys are going to rake leaves next week, you know? You know what that means? Blessing all the world, it means this. That's what it means, bending the knee. God says, I'll bend a knee to you, and you will bend a knee to the entire world. Abram don't know what he's talking about. We don't know what he's talking about. But I want to tell you something. There are some immediate promises from God that you will see fulfilled in your lifetime. And there are some futuristic promises of God that you may never understand what the heck he was talking about. And that's what we have here with Abram. Because God does bring them into Canaan. God does honor Terah's initial effort, right? And God does fulfill his promise. But there's a bigger promise coming through Abram for each and every one of us. The world will not remind you of what God's promises are. But you have to be in the word and in prayer to remember them. Remember God's promises matters. All right, here we go. So here we go. Genesis. We're going to move on past the promises. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they settled out, set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived. Your faith, your faith without any response is meaningless. It's meaningless. You say, I believe in God. I believe Jesus Christ is the Savior. I have all the right answers. And God says, so what? So what? Because if you are not responding to the word of God in your lives, you are not, you're not living it. You know? You're not doing it. And you end up kind of being this false thing where you say, man, I get it. I believe it. I, I, I'm following. I know what God's doing in the world. And I can see it. You know, we just said that. Like, we see you everywhere. And then your friends go, man, you don't look any different than me. You don't make any different choices than I make. God says you must respond. You must respond. Because living out your faith matters. Now, I want to say something, because I have a tendency, my wife always says, you come off as someone with no grace. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not funny, right? I, I don't want to be that way at all. Because I think sometimes we want to take these huge leaps. For, you know, we're going to go, God, I'm going to jump this canyon in your name. And God's sitting there going, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Because you know what? You know how you learn how to walk? Baby steps. You ever seen a baby start to learn how to walk? They're like this at first. They're like, whoa, you know? And they're doing this stuff. They're not running the Olympics, right? But it all comes. And so I want to tell you today, the baby steps following God are okay. If all you can do is one little thing, okay, God, I promise, this is what I'm going to try. By your power and in your name, I'm going to try to treat my wife with respect. And God's glorified. Baby steps lead you into the kingdom of God. But you have to move. And the last thing I want to say to you this morning is God's plans matter. God's plans matter. Because we get so hung up on what we thought God was doing, and this is the, this is the temptation of the church. Well, we knew we were going over there five years ago, and God says, what are you doing, man? I've been on the move. 
You've got to keep up. Follow me. Listen to my voice. Because God's plans matter, and they're so much better than anything, anything we have planned. I want to remind you again today's scripture. It's not about Abram. It's about Terah. It's Terah who God began to use. And from this mess of this nephews and uncles and nieces and uncles and orphans and dead people and all this weirdness, you know, out of this mess, God makes a miracle. God makes a miracle. If you think that family tree is a mess, you should follow it down about five or six generations because then it really gets complicated. Okay? But out of this comes Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's born into this lineage of Abram. They arrived in Canaan just as promised. But here's the truth. Abram might have thought, man, I'm going to bless all the world. And God says, no, no, I'm going to bless all the world through my son. And that's why we're here today. That's how we're tied into this whole big story. Jesus Christ comes as a blessing to all nations. And here's the catch for those of you who believe. Jesus Christ becomes a blessing to all nations in us, to us, in us, and through us. We are the hands and feet of his message. And that's why it's so important. If you dare, if you dare to profess Christ as your Lord, man, you better live it, live it, live it, because you're going to have a high day of accountability. Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. That's what I always thought that meant. That, that's what it means to me. Don't do it lightly. Let us pray. Father God, this day, I, I don't know where everybody's at. I don't, I don't even know where I'm at half the time, Lord. I pray that we're in your spirit, that we're in your will. I just pray, Lord, today that, that uh, we might just acknowledge, man, if our, if, if our whole life is a mess, you can make it right. You will call us out of that into a promised land. I pray, Lord, that we would have courage where we need courage, that we would take steps of faith when we need steps of faith. And, and that no matter what, if we grow stagnant in our journey and we just quit, Lord, I pray you would raise up rocks that would come around us and just make fun of how dumb we are for quitting on you. Teach us, Lord, teach us, Lord, to worship you. We thank you for Jesus Christ, your only begotten son, whom came into this mess and made a miracle and, and just saved us all. What a message. We pray, Lord, today that, uh, well, we pray a prayer of thanks that we're taking baby steps and that we're coming closer to you. Praise your name. Praise your name. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.